Well, damn, should I loudly play the theme? Sure, why not? From this here hot box, also known as a laptop. That's what I call my laptop. The hot box? The hot box. Welcome to Super Superstitious. <laughs> we are just uh, getting excited about new advances in technology, like being able to see video on places you didn't expect to see video, for exactly. example. I'm Jake. I'm Wyatt. And we're back again for another we episode with Jeff. We're back. Uh, we have returned from CryptoCon. Yes, the third annual International Cryptozoology Conference was held this weekend in Portland, Maine, yes, and we goofed last year, failed to go. This year, <laughs> it was a huge goof. We went, yes, it was not a gaff, but it no, was a no, goof. it was definitely a goof though. And we made it this year. So today, we're going to do things a little differently. We are back from um, on the tail end of a super duperstitious special report. Indeed. Uh, we're not fully going back into a normal episode today because right. we have some stuff to debrief on. So. It's, it's back to business as unusual. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about, uh, we have a couple of little stories for you. I'll be starting with that. Um, so we'll do that. Yeah, you and kick then us off, then I'll follow up, and then we will dive into... Yeah, for the remainder of the app, we'll... Uh, take you guys to CryptoCon with us in yes. retrospect. Oh, we didn't ever say, we said, welcome to Super Superstitious, the paranormal podcast that looks at spooky stuff with science happening at it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you did it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to now begin with an update on the Phantom of the Chicago. Oh. oh my God, is this act 40? Seven? I have no idea how many it is. I'm just thinking about where the space is going to go and how I'm going to cut that to make it have the theme and then you jumping in. I think it'll work. So. Oh. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I can't fully respond I to you because I am thinking of the logistics of editing around your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, actually, now that, now that we have lampshaded that fact, if it sounds bad, then uh, sure. Um, the Phantom of the Chicago uh, is something I haven't talked about in a while now. It no, is um, there were a bunch of sightings, especially in 2017, mm-hmm. of a gigantic humanoid flying bat creature in the uh, Greater Chicago area with glowing red eyes and people not knowing what the hell it was. Right, we're getting like so many constant updates throughout last year. They kind of petered off a bit. I've been holding off on giving more Don't on, you mean they've on them. Stricklered off a bit. <laughs> yes. Uh, most of these reports have been coming through the website phantomsandmonsters.com, which is a compilation of random weird stuff throughout the internet put together by Lon Strickler. And uh, I have had this one bigger update that I've been saving for a while that uh, is uh, it's pretty fun. I am so um, excited because I've missed these, full disclosure. <laughs> I, I enjoy. Have I've been holding up because I wanted to just kind of like uh, wait till something good happens. So there has been an actual <laughs> like sighting recently back in may so not even that recent anymore because now it's september <laughs> you know we're coming up on a year anniversary of recording the first 
time I talked about yes. the Phantom of the Chicago. Yes, indeed. I think that was in like late August, early September, possibly. Was that um, the case? What, what we didn't is... release it until October, obviously. But oh, there was, you go, yeah. there you go. Yeah, I forgot we did the episode little, two uh, is when this first came up. But um, preparatory backlog. Yeah, so if you haven't heard about this whole phenomenon, you right? Can it's been hear, a minute. You can hear about it in a lot of episodes. We talk about it, but you can hear the full scoop in episode two of this mm-hmm. very podcast. Mm-hmm. So this sighting, someone saw something flying. They weren't really sure what it was. It looked really creepy. They thought it was this thing. They got a photo of it. No way. And here's the photo. Hmm. And that's why I was like, this is dumb. Because it's just like, I just, I, I don't mean, know. someone who wanted to could easily have just shopped the shit out of this. It yeah, also just looks like a it's vulture. A bird. It's yeah. just kind of a bird. That's why I was like, I saw that. I was like, that's not a bat shaped thing. That's just a bird. And given it, how grainy it is and the just, idea that they had to have taken it with a modern s- camera. Probably, so you guys know, we are looking at a picture. Someone has shot clearly a dark object that appears to be flying mm-hmm. in the sky. In the background, it's all sort of a gray, cloudy day. So there's really nothing in the frame for a reference as far as size is concerned. And uh, yeah, it just looks like a bird silhouette. Um, yep. So so we'll post the photo so you can see it. Yeah. Uh, it'll be in the links to this episode. And it does not look like anything out of the ordinary. No. So I'll go now into the actual story from this is uh, kind of a retrospective thing that's supposed to be like, oh, shedding new light on this phenomenon and making some of these sightings make more sense. So I was like, all right, oh. well, this is interesting. So I've been sitting on this for a little while now. This okay. came out some time ago. Well, how are you going to read it if you're sitting on it? Shut up. Get out of here, <laughs> guy who made that joke. <laughs> it wasn't me. Um, so the title of this post from Phantoms and Monsters is 1981 Chicago Mothman Incident May Help Explain the Phenomenon. Oh. I was recently contacted by an eyewitness who, as a child of 13 years of age, had a remarkable encounter with a winged humanoid in Cicero, Illinois. The year was 1981, and the witness, who I will refer to as MR, experienced a life-changing event. Cool. The witness MR contacted me by email and asked to speak by telephone. I instantly had the sense that this interview would be significant, so I requested MR call me at his earliest convenience. We were talking within 10 minutes. Ooh. MR introduced himself and immediately started to tell me his account. He prefaced his story by saying that he had not known of the winged humanoid sightings reported throughout the Chicago metro area until he stumbled upon an article two days previous. He was stunned by the revelations in the article. Dozens of sightings that closely resembled his encounter in Cicero in 1981. But MR's narrative was different because his encounter with the winged humanoid altered his overall beliefs and perspective of the world. (laughs) MR was a 13-year-old boy in 1981 who, through his own description, had suffered terrible abuse during his young life. Mm. On this particular evening, like many previous evenings, he sought solitude in his backyard. For whatever reason, he was able to employ a self-taught form of meditation that helped him cope with the abuse by his parents. As he sat on the grass, he entered into a deep level of spiritual awareness that had become more heightened than he had ever remembered. He soon became aware of an unknown presence. As he exited his meditative state, he immediately noticed a pair of intense red eyes staring back at him across the alleyway. Hey, oh, it was not his dad's car. Yes. <laughs> uh, the being was standing against the neighbor's white garage, about 75 feet from where MR was sitting. Ooh. It was a thin black human shape that stood seven feet in height when compared to the four-foot-high chain-link fence at the end of his yard. Mm. There were wings folded on its back that extended above its long, thin head. But those intense red eyes captured MR's concentration to the point where he was literally paralyzed and frozen in place. <laughs> literally paralyzed. Which, um, if you don't understand, means to be frozen in place. Yes. 
The being was soon communicating <laughs> with MR in a telepathic form. Of course it was. More intent in garnering his attention than actually expressing information. It's like, hey, hey, kid. Hey, hey. hey. I just did that for, well, in this case, five to seven minutes. Um, five to <laughs> seven here. minute experience. Hey. I'm the one with the red <laughs> eyes. Kid. Was, was suffused with a range of emotions. The range from tranquility <laughs> to terror. <laughs> oh, kid. Please. Look <laughs> at me. kid. Are you, you going to look at me? Hey, kid. Come on. I was just playing. <laughs> MR recognized that he was not dreaming or in a reflective state. <laughs> this was actually occurring. That was the moment where his perspective of the world around him changed forever. <laughs> he never forgot the encounter, and it influenced his life. Though he was reluctant to disclose the incident until he started college and became part of an environment that would pay attention to what he had to say and not judge his experience. But MR still did not understand why he was the recipient of the winged humanoid's scrutiny. Then, one evening, while he and his wife were watching a video... MR began to appreciate and grasp what had happened to him in 1981. <laughs> appreciate, in other words, grasp. <laughs> the Mothman Prophecies is a theatrical film that was released in 2002. Ah, yes. It is based on John Keel's book by the same title, even though the movie never really captured the full intensity of the book or the actual events that occurred in Point Pleasant, West Virginia in 1966-67. Nonetheless, the film gave an overall impression of the story and some of the narrative that Keel expressed in the book. MR told me that he was sitting at home watching the video when the car accident scene unfolded. So I looked up the scene uh, in question to see if it was worth playing on the show here. Mm -hmm. But uh, basically, Richard Gere and Deborah Messing are driving along, having a merry old time, when very suddenly the Mothman flies straight at the car, like dark black shape, glowing red whoosh. eyes, straight at the car. Did a and they swerve whoosh. and spin all around and crash into some stuff. Mm. So a jarring sudden event. Um, mm -hmm. So back to quoting Lon again. <laughs> The winged being suddenly came into focus, and MR instantly went into sheer panic and uncontrollably burst into tears. His wife tried to comfort him, but he was beyond consolation. They continued to watch the video, but it was a terribly difficult experience for MR. I do like that it was a huge, he had a huge panic attack, and then his wife's like, so we're going to finish so the movie, right? we're really near the end. We've watched, like, easily 80 to 85% of this fucking thing. Well, at this point, this, I think is the beginning of the movie. Oh, is it then? The scene, I'm pretty sure it's the very beginning <laughs> of the movie. She's like, you freaking wimp. She's like, you know, it costs like three bucks to rent this thing We're for the night. We're gonna take this back really to Blockbuster like, and watch like, the whole thing, yeah. I think. Um, <laughs> later that evening, he disclosed his boyhood encounter in detail with his wife. Since that time, he has not talked to anyone about the incident until we talk today. Wow. I would first like to state that my interview with MR... Big scoop. Yes was one of the most insightful I've experienced during my time as an investigator. We connected on a rare level, to the point where I could literally predict what he was going to say to me in each sentence. Because I wrote this myself. Yes. <laughs> His experience confirmed to me that this phenomenon is not that of an indigenous being, but instead a flesh-and-blood extra-dimensional and or extraterrestrial entity that is either attracted to certain persons or summoned by specific forces. Holy shit. Now, before shit. you chime in, Wyatt... No, I don't know what any of that means either. <laughs> MR had no previous inclination of my theories, but rather defined what I have begun to believe during the course of the investigation. Why? Like, why is that? What? I don't, I don't know. Hit, hit me with that again. MR had no previous inclination of my theories, but rather defined what I have begun to believe during the course of the investigation. So why? So why at any point when hearing people saying, "Oh, we saw this weird creature," was he like, "Oh, this must be an extra-dimensional, uh, extraterrestrial being, not a, an indigenous"? I don't know what he means by indigenous being. Indigenous being. Yeah, I that's a really I'm, silly term for this. I yeah. Well, I mean, he's almost copping to... Well, I don't want to ruin the story as you're saying it. 
There's not much to ruin. He also brought up and totally discounted the general speculation by many that this was a harbinger of future events, so not quite like the Mothman. Without any prompting, he confirmed for me the things I was already believing, and I yeah. appreciated that yes. very much. <laughs> <laughs> I asked MR if he thought that while he was in a state of meditation, that being could have possibly been a self-manifesting thought form. So actually, a little bit of trying to dig. It's like, well, maybe you just kind of imagine that maybe when you're you, in that you're state. Just freaked out, yeah, yeah. Echoey voice of, hey, kid, kid, <laughs> over here, kid, kid. Well, the red eyes, eyes, eyes. <laughs> he believes that in his case, the being sought him out because of the abuse he had suffered through his parents. As he began to read the recent sighting descriptions in the Chicago metro area, he formulated that there may indeed be more than one winged being, and that many of the witnesses came upon it by happenstance. Winged. But he also feels some of the encounters occurred because the being sought out the witness for a specific reason. MR didn't sense that the winged humanoid was evil, but believes that it is an ancient being that has sought out others in the past, and that it is the venerable entity that people since have referred to as a demon. The venerable? Yeah, there's a lot of words he's using that I'm not sure he fully understands. I forwarded my book Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Winged Humanoids, to MR in the hope that he may offer more information on this being. I'd like for him to read about the investigation that is detailed in the book, as well as understand the historical significance of this anomaly. So I think he tried to sell his book to the guy, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, um, I want to tell you all about it now. <laughs> it is my hope that MR's personal perspective may assist us in our continued desire to explain the winged humanoid phenomena. Lon. So that... Wow. Lon story short. <laughs> Lon story short. <laughs> some hot so, nonsense. Some hot nonsense. Um, I yeah, tell you. This was enough for me to think, you know what? As much as I love doing the Phantom of the Chicago updates, I think I'm ready to put this thing to bed. It is as we thought, Lon's little pet baby, I think. I th so I do think people are seeing stuff, and we're seeing a lot of stuff that they're really confused by. I do also think, like I thought from the beginning, that he really wanted to believe yeah, this was some kind of a pumping thing. it. I don't know that I necessarily believe that he is trying to force those into the narrative. Hmm. I well, think he has a book to sell now. He does, yes. As he made clear but in his story, I do genuinely, totally I do believe he genuinely thinks this stuff is happening. Yeah, but I think he's like just hyping himself into it. Yeah, I think more and more that a lot of the sightings were of juvenile bald eagles. Yeah, we talked a little bit about yeah. how there's a theory that because those are making a comeback in the Chicago area and they haven't been there for a while. Yeah, eagle numbers thing, are exploding in a good way. Yeah, this would be the kind of thing that people in the area wouldn't have seen before because they've been gone for so long. And before, they're, when they've fledged but aren't fully mature, they can fly but don't have the white feathers on their head They're yet. very dark. They so almost look like gold eagle, golden eagles. They're very dark, and they're yeah. pretty damn big. They are and a huge bird. If you've never seen an eagle before, it's like, whoa. It's always surprising. So I think a lot of the sightings were that. Some of the up-close sightings of like the more like humanoid thing, the glowing red eyes, Like I don't know so much about that. I don't right. think it can all be summed up by one simple explanation. Some hype chain shit, maybe. But I do think um, it isn't <laughs> so much. Now, I was ready to put it to bed today. But then I found another update of an actual sighting, oh. and not through Lon. Oh, so my. we're going to save that for another time. Okay, well, very cool. So, the saga still continues. Indeed. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Jake. That was yeah, yeah. very cool. I'm looking forward to hearing the yeah other stories to come. See whatever else may come out of this. Maybe we'll find more explanations for what's going on. Maybe we'll just find even weirder crazy shit. Mm -hmm. I'm <laughs> eager to... Ride this thing till the wheels fall off. That's right. <laughs> I think there's no other way to do it. So I noticed while Weird. I was yeah, the yeah. Juice, okay, while I was talking, uh, it looks like the roulette wheel just kind of like came around the corner into the room. Maybe there's a lot of heat coming off it too, but mm. it's a cold heat. Yeah. Um. Reminds me, it has been a while since we've done 
uh, a segment of Shadowlands Roulette. It's true. So let's uh, do Should we episode, just do a, this? A segment of Shadowlands Roulette. Uh, I feel basically compelled to do it, even though it's feeling very creepy at the same I time. I don't know. I've usually it feels kind of fun. Now it feels like I have to. I don't know. But we should do it. I right, feel right? like so, we should. There's so for basically people, another way to go. Yeah, yeah, go on. So for folks who haven't uh, heard this segment before, it's when we have um, we take this big old uh, coin. Basically, was it always this big? It wasn't always this big. So Jake and I, I forget really if we found it or if it just sort of showed up one day. But I kind of feel like it found us. It kind of found us. I kind of feel like we've had it forever in a certain way. But it's this this cursed coin. There's of, a cursed um, coin that determines whether we will spin one of two very large wheels one is for uh, the United States the other is for the rest of the world basically we will one of us will flip the coin which strangely enough has been growing in size maybe it's just our imagination I can't really tell it's I remembered it being a coin size before it was but now it looks definitely coin size more, before uh, it wasn't it's now the size of like a manhole cover I would say manhole cover as well it is pretty hefty i'm holding it now um wow it's got a real weird feel it almost feels metallic and fleshy at the same time yeah there's like a pulse to it fuck dude i thought that was just my own hand maybe uh well let me see it again oh my god i'm not quite sure maybe maybe we're i mean we're it's hot today it is pretty hot today beers we're probably just imagining this stuff we're probably imagining it Uh, anyway we'll flip this Maybe just give it a single toss onto the floor <laughs> at this point. But uh, that will, yeah, as Jake said, pick the wheel for the other person. So uh, That person will sh- then, I guess, climb the wheel to spin it. Indeed. And um, uh, whatever country or state it lands on, we go to the old website, shadowlands.net. An ancient website from the 90s, which seems yes. not to have been updated since then. Full of user-submitted stories of hauntings all around the world yes this is a website all the way back from 1994 so i mean we're talking merely five years before the matrix but still <laughs> quite old and yeah so shall i uh give this bad boy a flip sure i go I for do it love the music that it's just kind of comes in yeah i always kind of like that was more of a, the mood i was in but now i'm realizing that it actually is just happening right here we go Ugh. I have this thing up here. All right, you got it? Good. I'm going to punch it into the air. Ugh. Oh, boy. That was actually pretty good. Got a couple flips out of that. Thank you. And it looks like, ooh, good big landing. It's going to be the dreaded Wheel of States for you, my good sir. Okay, the Wheel of States. Now, this one is pretty big. They're both pretty big. How are they now? So here's a question. Yeah, lay it on me. They don't seem like they should be able to fit in the room. They seem bigger than the room, but here they are in I've the room. I wondered about that as well, and I've noticed... Every time I jump up onto it to spin, I feel like it just makes the space it needs in order to be within this space, if that makes any kind of sense. I think it makes, yeah. Do I look like I shrink when I jump up on it? Uh, no, no, you don't. Okay. I, think, I, I don't know. Maybe it's probably just a kind of optical illusion. All right. right? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so, okay. We'll just say me, it's uh, that. Okay. I'm going to, you want to hold my mic for a second? Yeah, sure. I now have both mics. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to get up. Yeah, you need a spot. One, two. Be careful. Oh, good spin. It looks like. going and Delaware. Delaware. All right. right. That is easily the most exciting state. (laughs) 
Alright, so now I'm on Delaware. Let me just kind of randomly scroll through until I stop on a story. And, okay. Smyrna? Smyrna? S-M-Y-R-N-A? The Crybaby Bridge. Sounds terrifying. The bridge is said to be haunted by a baby that was born deformed. And his teenage mother threw him off the bridge because of his condition. It's a baby ghost, Wyatt. He is said to have monstrously strong legs, and he knocks over trees with them when he throws fits what? crying for his mother. I think it's still a baby at this point. There are trees falling over all around the bridge. People go there to party and get more than what they were looking for. Car doors lock and windows roll down by themselves, and the car begins to roll backwards. Once you are there... Sounds like what the a baby, baby would do. Yes, the baby doesn't want you to leave. Thinking you're its long lost mother, and it Aww. doesn't want you uh, doesn't want to lose you again. It's kind of sweet. So it's a baby with a thigh master who just fucks trees up. Can you imagine how strong a baby would have to be to kick a tree over? <laughs> Say nothing of multiple trees, and then how? for that baby to, after knocking those trees down, have enough energy to roll down windows and lock <laughs> doors. It has some knowledge of how cars work, so maybe yes. its mom taught it. Also, I just have an image in my head of basically a generic baby up till the legs, which are Hulk size. Yes. <laughs> but it still does not know how to walk, of course. <laughs> well, so terrifying. That was truly unnerving. Now, let me get this coin for uh, so I can flip it for you. I um, right. I thought it landed over there, but it's, it's right here at my feet now, so that's convenient. All right, let me get this. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it found its way over to you, so I, mean, I, I also okay. thought it landed over in the uh, middle of the room. Let's see if I can get it a good flip on it. All right. <laughs> oh, good ah, okay. flip. Not quite as good a flip as yours, but still not bad. So it landed on the repulsive wheel of other countries. Oh, shit. Well, that seems to be uh, right there next to you, so... Yeah. You want me to hold, uh, sure. Yeah, grab your mic right. for you, and then, um, all right, I'm just gonna get up here. Um, oh, interestingly enough, too, I feel like I've had to jump up here before, but it's just like I feel like I'm just kind of climbing up it now. Yeah, it's it seems really easy easier too. somehow. All right, here we go. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Oh. Ooh, a mighty spin, my good friend. And it looks like I've got. Oh, Japan! Japan! There's all kinds of spooky stuff there. One very imagines. rich with the weird. All right, Japan. Just surprisingly few. <laughs> Flipping around, and we are going with the Kanagawa Prefecture Field Hospital. Oh. The Field Hospital. Oh, excuse me. I'm not even reading it off the very first word correctly. <laughs> The hospital is an old field hospital. Oh, good thing I went back and started from the start. Located on a military <laughs> base by the name of Sagami Depot. There have been reports of noises and individuals walking around in the hospital. The building is seldom used, but at night when security checks on it, they often find a windows raised or a door that had been locked previously <laughs> unlocked. Oh dear. The military police usually have a new soldier go there to conduct checks his first night on the job. Many have reported hearing some one walking around inside. The Japanese have experienced the same. That was terrifying, Wyatt. 
I barely made it through, to be honest. Did, was I screaming the whole time? No, I think you kept it together pretty well. And, and and better than most in your position probably would have. Wow. I so. felt like I was screaming. I felt like I was just I screaming, I, help, wait. help, please make I me stop reading. Now you say that, I thought I maybe... No, nah, no, nah, you were just reading the story. It was yeah. normal. Okay. So that was a segment of Shadowlands Roulette. Roulette. I feel some kind of like... I, mean, I like doing that segment a lot. I feel really satisfied, but, but I, I feel, also feel, I feel dirty. Relieved, but like that needed to happen more than I wanted it to happen. Yeah, I don't know. And I feel kind of clear-headed, but also a little bit tired now. Yeah, let's have some of this beer here. Yeah. What do we got? We got uh, some. We've had a couple so far. We had a, uh, a Bandit Brewing Daikaiju. We had something before that. <laughs> we had... Um, <laughs> Now we're on Earth Eagle, which is a local awesome one. We have a Gruit, which if you don't know what a Gruit is, you are missing out. It is a kind yeah. of like medieval style, like peasant sort of beer. When hops weren't available, they would use different herbs. They would just in brew its place. shit. Yeah. And um, you know all about the hops. Yeah. And so beers brewed this way are really, really cool and tasty. So this was called Exhilaration. It's a Gruit brewed with Sweet Gale and Yarrow. You can think of perhaps a root beer if you've ever had the soda. Similar flavors, in a sense, but not, not as sweet. Yeah, nearly. No. Yeah, similar. It's really nothing like why I just described. It's good. It's like it's an herb. It's an Kool Aid. Herb. <laughs> was beer. <laughs> it's an herby beer. It's cool. Yeah. So I understand you have a story from me. I Wyatt. do. I basically, which I guess is how this show usually goes. Yeah, we've just been doing shorter. <laughs> we have no theme this week, and we're doing shorter stories. Atypically, I have a story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Since we didn't really have a solid sort of prompt as as to how to constrain the stories i figured i would just go with a random cryptid i like it so i did you what did uh, bigfoot didn't you i took yeah i randomly i closed my eyes and i i i first i closed my eyes and i wrote a list that just said bigfoot <laughs> and then i opened them and i picked bigfoot <laughs> um <laughs> but uh yeah no i went to cryptids the cryptids wiki all and right. clicked on explore and then selected random page. Ooh. And it brought me to another segment of Guess That Creature to make up for the previous round of Guess where That I, Creature. Where I knew the creature before Indeed. I guessed it. So we were in this very room when that happened. It is. The the truth that we are there. <laughs> it is the room. Quality um, podcasting by Jake and White. Yeah, we speak well. So almost completely hairless. Okay. What's that creature? Um, no, not you. You're too hairy. Uh, me. <laughs> yeah. Prominent bristly hairs on its chin. Well, that's not almost completely hairless anymore, is it? No. Uh, I had to add almost. Almost. Okay. Did it say completely hairless and then... It did. And then it talked about this <laughs> and the next descriptor, which are hair things. Okay. Um, a weird pig. Prominent eyebrows. <laughs> Gonna get to more and more hair. Donald right. Trump. <laughs> Yeah, boy. Fuck that guy. Go on. Uh, prominent eyebrows. I, all I can think of is Jeff the Mongoose. But he was very... He was a it's mongoose. Cute, but he's so he's quite hairy. hairy. Dark, smooth, extremely tough, leather-like skin. A football. Wow. <laughs> With eyebrows. Hilariously... Very close. Shaped like a fat bear crossed with a football. <laughs> I did not see this coming. A fat bear crossed with a football. I have no idea. If you had guessed the Gumbaroo. Oh, the Gumbaroo, of course. <laughs> yes. 
the look of recognition in Jake's eyes, the <laughs> sharp, bright, enlightened glint of, ah, oh, yes, this creature I know so well. Don't we all? That's right. We've all heard of this one. <laughs> the Gubaru was, as described, said to be a very large, ferocious predator. It was always hungry. It could devour a horse in a single sitting and still be on the watch for another snack. Wow. Where was this? This would be in North America, okay. and this would be a fearsome critter. Okay. There we go. The That's why it's critters. so ridiculous sounding. Awesome. So, fearsome critters, we'll probably cover this as a topic on another up. At some point, we might like to, we've been talking for a while about how we might like to handle the fearsome critters, but they were like lumberjack tales of they were- crazy creatures in the woods exactly and people had their fun you know these are patently fanciful beasts but i didn't want to turn back after the random page feeder gave me my page yes a couple of examples of uh fearsome critters you might be familiar with are the jackalope and uh, a little bit more obscure but more well known now thanks to the um cartoon series gravity falls the hide behind, which is a cool one. So, well, cool. I think we might talk about that sometime. So, we'll get there later. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, this is coming out of the 19th and early 20th centuries. Lumberjacks just kind of having their fun and spooking each other out in the woods. Kind of the proto creepy pasta, or as I wrote here, off putting oraketti. <laughs> <laughs> so, always hungry, big old beastie, munch all the things kind of creature. Its major claim to fame, aside from its appetite, was that bullets and arrows would simply bounce off of its very rubbery hide. She But it did have a particular weakness. I'll give you three guesses um, as to what that weakness was or would be were this thing a real thing. Three weaknesses, you said? Uh, no, no, no. There's only sorry. one, but sorry, I don't know I'll give you three guesses. I don't know where I got the three from. Well, I said three guesses. Oh, sorry. Okay. You son of a bitch. Sorry. The beer is kicking in all at once. Just so you guys know, Jake is lying on the floor <laughs> in a pool of my own vomit. <laughs> yeah. He, he puked off, I'm floating. off mic. There's a lot. Oh, God. <laughs> it smells so horrifying in here all of a sudden. <laughs> Let's see. Weakness. Uh, being shown origami. No. The letter T. No. Yeah, I'll give you a hint. It's not a letter and it's not about folding paper. Okay. All right. That's helpful. Um, Pants. Fire. Oh, okay. I was close. I was close. You were close. You were only two guesses away. <laughs> yeah, if you if you set fire to one of these things, it would immediately explode. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wrote that myself. It's actually wow. exactly what the legend holds. Say, if you set fire to anything, it's not going to like it, but it could immediately yeah. explode. So, wow. Bring your torch with you. So this and many other of these fabricated beasts were punched up in a book, Fearsome Critters, by Henry T. Tyson. Not of the chicken company. I'll speak up more. I will read an excerpt from Fearsome Critters now. Quote, An uncommon but nevertheless well-known and thoroughly authenticated animal, Paul Bunyan often met them in the upside-down country. The upside-down, okay. Yeah, he's even talking about that. His description given to me personally was as follows. Quote, A pot-bellied body almost exactly like the bunkhouse stove even to the umbilical damper, and covered with very tight, tough, black, shiny skin, a pair of long, powerful, monkey-like forearms, and a little round head and no neck. His head sets right down onto his shoulders like a hop toad in a cool spot. Oh, yeah. He's got, you know. That. I think this guy just likes words. (laughs) He's got three bowed rear legs, each with a clawed foot clutching an iron ball, 
the same as an iron stove. I have not read this yet. There's no speed in the, these rear legs, but they're handy for waiting dumps. <laughs> For real travel, he's got eight pairs of strong, springy legs set around his middle. He's plenty rapid on these. He'll go to a hilltop by swinging from branch to branch with his forelegs, then toss himself out a rod or two, landing sideways on the middle legs and rolling over and over down the hill, moving faster than the eye can see, which would be fucking hilarious (laughs) if that were true. I'm getting flashbacks to National Lampoon's the Christmas one where there's a scene with Chevy Chase and others where they basically grease up a sled that's already supposed to go very fast, but they've uh-huh. like added this lubricant to it and they touch the thing to the snow and immediately there's just a trail of fire down the hill. <laughs> you don't see anything. It's just a they're gone <laughs> and very cartoonish and hilarious. That anyway, that's what I'm imagining this creature moving as. Um, So exactly, moves that quick. Returning to the copy, that's why he's so rarely observed. I do like that the uh, idea behind these descriptions is to make them sound as confusing as possible so someone trying to picture them can't really grasp what it would even look like Your imagination being able just to like, dismiss it. Yeah, exactly. And then also, like, oh, it moves so fast, you can't even see it, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even, even know. know. Exactly, unless it was eating you. <laughs> the hides from the middle legs used to make fine waterproof boots but they're pretty scarce now, unquote. Um, that's all by Paul Bunyan. <laughs> recounting to, <laughs> recounting to uh, Henry Tyson. Um, New York Henry- Times bestseller, yeah. <laughs> Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan. Finishing, Henry Tyson says, The gumbaroo was usually found in burnt lands, practically an indestructible animal. Bullets always bounced from his taut hide, but heat would make him swell and explode. S.W. Allen photographed one, but the negative exploded. <laughs> so shit blows up a lot with this guy. That's, right. that's the big deal. That <laughs> and that for you all is the gumbaroo. Nice. Should we analyze this scientifically to determine what it might have been? Uh, dare we even try? No. Nah. <laughs> it has four legs plus eight or whatever. It's got like all the legs ever. All the legs shaped like and a it watermelon. It blows up and it rolls around and it. Wow. It's Pokemon. <laughs> there you go. That's probably the closest thing we yeah, have nowadays. That's the closest living thing that I can think of. <laughs> awesome. So there's yep. that. That's my story for today. <laughs> that was a fun one. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, that was like a good, fun, random, dumb story. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, so oh, we want to go on now to talk about our weekend at the uh, con, but should we do another Shadowlands Roulette? I would you know i wasn't even gonna say it but the fact that you have brought it up has made me now feel like i can fully admit that i would like nothing more than to do another round of shadowlands roulette exactly so oh you guys know what the whole deal is now so we can probably reintroduce the premise so shadowlands (laughs) roulette (laughs) okay so so. i guess we'll switch the order this time for good measure Um, yeah so the coin uh, where'd it go? Oh, where it's, is it? it's right next Whoa. to me. Okay, I didn't see what's up yeah. here. Okay, let me get this. Kind of looked like it was even looking up at you in a little well, way. <laughs> it's sitting on the floor. You know, it's, it's facing up, right? It's kind of looking kind of that way anyway, right? Um, all right, got this thing. I'm going to... All right. And... Uh, Ooh, all nice right, one. got to flip out of that one. 
Cool. So we're looking at the repulsive wheel of other countries oh, for God. you, Wyatt. All right. Here we go. All right, I, got the, I got your mic for you. All right. I'm at the top already. Damn. Wow. Really easy. Okay. You got it? Whoa, wow, there's... Oh, look at that thing go. Okay, and we are at... Uh, looking at... Oh, Vietnam. Vietnam. Interesting. Very interested to see what you find there. There's only three entries. All right. I will not randomly read the first scroll, one. Randomly scroll through them until you... I'm going to do the middle one. All right. Ho Chi Minh City. Ho Chi Minh's former residence. Oh. It was said that misanthropic beings haunt the residence of the former communist leader. Rumor has it that the beings were once humans that were just minding their own business during the Khmer Rouge battles and, and the Vietnam War. <laughs> they were abruptly killed and eventually turned against humanity for what they have done. For what they have done? Nothing, apparently. <laughs> this story fell apart for me. <laughs> but, you know, it didn't fall short of terrifying me. No, no, that was one of the scariest we've ever told. So, but, all right, I guess that means it's my turn now, huh? Indeed. All right, let me pass the coin to you. Wait, what? It was right here. Oh, okay, there it is. Holy fuck, there dude! That's up on the couch with you. Cool. I, yeah, right. I, honestly, I thought what is the coin was my laptop. There you go. Wow, well, it is the coin. Perfect. All right, we're gonna flip this thing. Go for it. <laughs> Bam. All right. Oh, the dreaded wheel of states. All right, states it is. Uh, all right, all right. I'll get, get up there. Yep. Okay. All righty, I've got both mice again. Wait, I'm already, I'm already up here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, isn't it fun though? It feels yeah. good, doesn't it? It's kind of just there. All right, here we go. Ready? Okay, spin out that one, and I have landed upon Hawaii. Hawaii. Tropical terror awaits us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Scroll around through these. Those are actually kind of a pile of them. All right. And I've landed on Honolulu, Waiale, Kalamal, Waiale. I think that's how you say that. But I'm really bad at pronouncing anything that isn't English and also English. Why are you reading it then? <laughs> Kalamal. In the newspaper several years ago, there was a story about a security guard working the late shift at Kahala Mall. After his theaters closed, he and other security guard had to lock all the doors to the mall. One security guard went up to the parking level to check the parking lot and lock the doors that lead to this level. He saw another security guard up there, his friend, and not the one he just left. The guy was far away, so he called to his friend, but the guy didn't answer. He called again. This next time, his friend turned and looked at him and oh, walked shit. away disappearing around a corner. Rude. Security guard went to follow him and found the man gone. <laughs> this was about 1 or 2 a.m. He later asked the other security guard if he had seen their co-worker. The other man said no. The next day, the security guard found out that the man he saw had died at about the same time he'd seen him. Whoa. Oh. Damn, dude. So, either he saw the ghost of his dearly departed friend... Or he killed him by seeing him and calling him and distracting him and he fell or something. <laughs> Whatever the case. I just like that he found that he disappeared. Yes. <laughs> Whatever the case. A terrifying Very scary. Tale. Very scary. And that has been yet another segment in this very episode of Shadowlands Roulette. Roulette. 
So having completed that, I think now we can talk to you guys about our experience at the third annual International Cryptozoology Conference. Indeed. In, in, in Portland. Portland. It was an interesting experience. Yeah, um, for sure. Maybe we should talk about what we thought going in. What were your expectations, Jake? My expectations were for it to be pretty low-key. Yeah. And it was uh, lower-key than that. <laughs> it was low-key indeed. It was a very quiet conference. I think in part, probably people are relatively limited in their ability to get to Portland on Labor Day weekend. And for another part, it's cryptid stuff. Yeah. So, you know. Now, granted, there are like, you know, Sasquatch conferences that get pretty huge and stuff. Like you said, though, Portland isn't necessarily a destination location so much for people. It's not convenient to a lot of Generally, folks. Yeah. And uh, this is a smaller kind of a thing in terms of um, it shared yeah, interest, it's, it's, I suppose. It's, it's put on by the International Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, which is a delightful place to visit. And does have a strong international reputation for its... It is the only um, cryptozoology museum currently in existence, which is pretty cool. Yeah, indeed. Um, we went there back in February, not realizing that not only was it our first time going to such a museum, but it is the only museum like it. So that's pretty cool. Right. And to their credit as well, they do make an effort to we probably talked about this back then as well but they do make an effort you know to present simply what has been put forward on all these topics they don't really go like this is a cryptid this is a monster that's out there like this is just simply what people have proposed this is what people say they've seen you make your own mind up exactly yeah on a lot of different topics and it was from our visit to that museum that we got the idea that lake monsters may by and large be moose Moose. an idea that never occurred to us it's super cool. So thank you, Lauren Coleman, Indeed. for that particular uh, awesome theory. So we showed up bright and early Saturday morning to take in all that we could see and hear. We did that in about two minutes, maybe. <laughs> it was, yeah, I think it's 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 still a very nascent. It's the third time that they've done this, so it makes sense that it's still going to take some time to pick up. Hopefully over the years, it'll keep getting bigger and bigger. Right, exactly. Um, but we will simply tell you guys about what we saw, yeah. <laughs> given given what it was. So um, so there were some old white dudes. A little that- bit of an old white dude factor, indeed. Yes. One of my favorite jokes was to break the ice. They asked, does anyone own any dogs? And there were a couple mutters. And then, does anyone own any cats? A couple mutters. And then, does anyone own any cryptids? And there were some <laughs> chuckles. And I wanted to leave in that moment but it was only 8 30 and the thing had started at eight <laughs> so yeah we have we had the uh, kind of overall impression of what we're, we're going to expect laid out for us pretty early on indeed one thing we learned very early on is that might skip the conference next year because they're going to be going on an expedition to loch ness oh indeed and it turns out that people can buy tickets to go on this expedition yes and so these tickets are five to six thousand dollars it's going to be a very very important research opportunity for us here at super superstitious exactly we were wondering if possible all of our many many listeners exactly we have over 10 listeners now and we're hoping that between the lot of yous and hopefully also between now and next summer we could even get up to maybe maybe even 20 listeners. Even 20 listeners, and we could raise the funds to go on basically a luxury vacation expedition. Expedition, yeah, to expedition. do a lot of really hard uh, research. Research. Uh, hanging out, I mean... Um, on t- the luxury barge. In, yeah, in Loch Ness, and it's, what, seven days or so? A seven-day trip. Week. It's a luxury cruise. It's a luxury cruise. So it's guys, luxury cruise. If you guys want to send us on a vacation, that'd be cool. Yeah. 
send us on vacation. We'll love you forever. Or don't, and we will not mind. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, we by the end of the conference, thankfully, they were like... Should we make a GoFundMe? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> we're gonna, okay, we'll post a link to our GoFundMe in this episode's description. See if you can't trick your friends and family <laughs> into sending us to Scotland to have fun. Because um, <laughs> it does not sound like they're going to find Nessie. They're going to find how much they can drink on a, on a luxury barge. A luxury barge. Which I'm interested Two to see. Two words you don't normally see together, but... There's a first time for everything. I imagine, like, basically a steel container, like a giant dumpster <laughs> yes. with really shiny pontoons on either side with a <laughs> racing stripe down the side, down the middle. And I look forward to it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they talked about that for too long. Do you want to look at the schedule at all? They had... No, nah, I'm just following my notes. Yeah. Um, they had music which was a good choice yeah it was cool to have between you know, different concept. talks there was a little bit of downtime and so instead of having it be just like nothing happening they encouraged people to go out and check out the vendors and stuff while waiting for the next talk play some music play some music which is a great Why idea the hell not? Uh, Live band, know, support, cool. support a band or something so they had a band called the tomb of nicholas cage the tomb of nicholas cage which was a horror punk band and they did great. They did great. They they played well. They did sound very good. They were playing some very loud, hard punk music at 10 a.m. And they were aware of the situation they were in as well. Absolutely. They they, they, they fact, opened with saying, you they know, they kicked normally, off their set. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Carry on, Jake. We're normally a night band. We yeah, play. we come out at night. They made some kind of little cute joke of just like, we're yeah. night creatures or whatever. And like, yeah. So more power to them for like getting up so early to do this ridiculous thing they're asked to do. Um, highly recommend you guys check them out too. If you like fucking rockin' punk. Yeah. With probably spooky overtones and undertones. But yeah, 10 a.m., the effect was to drive everyone, everyone out of what it was effectively a large resonant chamber. <laughs> yes. We're at Thompson Point in uh, one of the like larger buildings they use for different conventions and stuff. And it's all brick and concrete and echoes. And so it was just the loudest sounding rock and roll. So the moment a talk would end and the band would begin, everyone would just go outside. And the vendors, I guess, didn't get much traffic, which is too bad because there are some... There weren't a lot of vendors, but the people who were there were they had some pretty cool stuff and pretty fun stuff. A lot and of heart. Yes, so much heart there. It was great. At one point, we got to see some preview clips of an upcoming documentary called Cryptozoologist. Uh, the cinematography looks great. It's very well edited. Yeah, it's uh, true. As a videographer myself, I was pretty impressed with what I was seeing. It looks like it's interesting overall. Tastefully too, done like, on a topic cool. that's easily hammed out. Yeah, it's it's kind of like going into the field of cryptozoology and kind of describing, okay, what is this? What exactly are these people doing and why? And uh, so it's kind of neat to see what this documentary is going to be. Uh, you know, we can also link to that too. I think it's cryptozoologist.org, I think. I don't know if they're looking for support or not, but if so, why the hell not? Why the hell not? Uh, one quote from one of the interviewees stuck out to me, though. Uh, there's a guy who was standing there explaining why skeptics are too closed-minded and don't understand how the world really works. <laughs> uh, I couldn't find the clip online to copy it down verbatim, but from my notes on the day of, quote, It's very hard for people to change their worldview. When you believe the world is one way, you won't accept someone else's new interpretation. Even if you have an academic telling you that, it's very hard to swallow. So this is him describing how, you know, people not believing in different things that are kind of, you know, on the fringe and stuff um, and how 
they're wrong for not wanting to change their worldview. Even their mind up. Even to if these the experts are telling them otherwise. Insubstantiated. Uh, I was struck by this quote due to the really weird lack of self-awareness. <laughs> there were a few quotes like this. Yeah, I I have a few as well. There was a man was talking about his career. I won't name names. Um, in cryptozoology and mentioned in one slide debunkers feel threatened and attack is this high school again and i was oh, like yeah. i don't think debunkers necessarily feel threatened i think they are debunking they because are the they mainstream. realize <laughs> yeah. they recognize that there is a fraudulent component to your yes. premise <laughs> so that was nice and then there <laughs> that was, was great that was great um, we did notice that um so Cryptozoology as a field is not something you're going to find as an actual academic discipline. It's um, something people have to fund entirely themselves, which makes it a lot more difficult for them and stuff. Um, In terms of being a cryptozoologist... We found some interesting qualifications and stuff. Tough we can, career. We, we can get into more. We can get more into that like as we wrap up. But um, yeah, one of the biggest things I found was hats are very important. You got to have yes. a hat. If yes. you're going to be a cryptozoologist, you have to have a hat. You need the a hat, hat. Very importantly, the hat should not be a good hat. It, it should, should not, draw the eye in the worst possible way. It should be a hat that is clearly making a statement, and that statement should be. I bought this hat because I thought it would make a statement. Clearly a prereq in some ways. Yes. To um, uh, assuming the career. Mm. There was, um, at one point, the case was made for why there need to be more women in Bigfoot research. Yes. Now, cryptozoology as a field often does have this tendency to be pretty male-dominated and often pretty goddamn sexist as a result, too. It's true, yeah. Um, it turns out. There are a lot out. of, like, kind of huntery types who go out in the wilderness doing stuff. That's not always the case, but in general, it's like, It's yeah. a bit of a boys' club yeah. to, to an absolute fault and to the detriment of the field, which is kind of simultaneously, like, wants to be validated and sort of could stand to be more actually scientific, but also... Doesn't want anyone to come into its room. Yeah. Doesn't want its parents to come in and like ruin the fantasy. <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, the idea of letting women be involved in any way other than to be just harassed. Yeah. Somehow it would ruin that for them. Um, <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, so at one point, the point was made that there need to be more women in Bigfoot research. And I was on board with that. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, awesome. Let's he include. Was like, oh, you know, there should be like all female teams going out to investigate Sasquatch. It's like, yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? Because... Yeah, tell men, me why. Tell me why, Jake. Because men emit these pheromones that scare away Sasquatch. And women don't. Or yeah. if anything, it draws Sasquatch closer. So, so that's We're so close to having like a kind of like progressive breakthrough. It's like, oh, okay. Some bullshit. Okay. It is it was a huge dump and it kinda like it betrays the mind doing the work in the first place. You know what I mean? It, it shows you the mindset you're in. The kind of mindset you're in yeah, to begin with, which disappointed me deeply, yeah. unfortunately. So so that um, was the thing. That um, happened, yeah. Uh, there were some talks there that also did actually have some like pretty good sense of um, you know, scientific uh, investigation into these topics. Yes, at least it's three true. Different folks who talked. So there was um, Haley Eldridge, uh, mm-hmm, cryptid. Mm-hmm. So I think cryptid hyphen wendigo dot tumblr dot com. I'll make sure that's correct. I'll put it in the uh, in the links for this week as well. Who um, had a really cool piece about the? I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation because it's French. Le bête de Gévaudan. Gévaudan. It's the beast of Gévaudan. Gévaudan. Javadon? I think so. <laughs> okay. Javadon. Um, 
it's kind of a black shuck situation, but in France, or kind of a hound of the Baskerville sort of thing. Yeah. So a cool story, and she uh, has some really great answers to questions from folks digging deeper. So she did. Yeah. Someone who we're um, talking giant monster dog terrorizing the killing some folks big time. French countryside back at the back in a period where people didn't really have access to really any kind of forensic technology yes. to figure out what's killing who. So definitely check out Cryptid Wendigo for a lot of its cool yeah, regular she, she posts nice about different um, different cryptids out there. And there are a couple other talks too that like talked about like say um, ape research and exactly. the way apes like ape behavior and stuff. There was actually really a lot more about just the science of that than it was about right. um, kind of a personal journey into a career in ape studies after a very hard kind of launch into the world. And yeah. Turned out to be a pretty cool talk. And then followed up by a um, a scientist a professor who studies DNA and stuff and molecular. Um, yeah. Molecular biologist. Which we know a fair amount about. I, have, we, have we ever done any uh, molecular biology ourselves, Wyatt? Uh, quite, quite a, quite a, a fair bit. amount indeed yeah and so, so we, um, we were yeah. very much looking forward to his talk it was pretty good on the whole as far as the actual information he presented it was a lot of cool really great cases for why cryptozoology as a field needs to do better in terms of the evidence they present to actually say yes or no this thing is real so yeah like using dna evidence as you I'm sure many listeners have heard in other contexts is a great way of sort of validating or confirming that Whatever happened here was caused by a biological agent, and it wasn't just any old agent. It was this guy or this thing or whatever. Yeah, and there's a thing called environmental DNA, which is when you can just take samples from a place or something occurred. You can take dirt. You can take Take, kind of whatever. Take a shovel full of dirt, and you can look. And then you can find the genomes of animals and things that have been in the area, any living thing in the area in the last, you know, while. And um and get a good idea of what had been there. Basically, as we go through the world, we shed skin cells, we're coughing, we're breathing, and all of that's leave you know sort of extruding bits of us. <laughs> and uh, people can now, because technology has come so far as it has, apparently they're able to figure out what's been around just from that you know sort of uh, shed bits of skin and what have you and so that's one possible way to find out hey has bigfoot been through here right see what genomes turn up in a certain area you're sampling and then compare them to known genomes say okay what does this match most closely or does it not right and anyway this guy uh is very very certain that he is the smartest best person yeah for (laughs) suffice it to say he was not very the most charismatic of speakers Kind of did a lot of stuff that was pretty rude, kind of was <laughs> horrible, but did bring up probably the most important case of the day for that group, which is, you know, every other talk was kind of discussing how here are these things that we wish had more attention or we wish could be funded or whatever. And then this guy came through and was just like, here's how you can get that. Totally. Turn yourself into actual science. And then, yeah, that was the last talk of the day. Uh, we only managed to make it for the first day because we right. uh, have other things going Lives. on, unfortunately. Got cool and, kids uh, to hang out with. And so Lauren Coleman and then cl- concluded the day afterward following up that talk and saying how he was really excited by that talk. Right. Because it's like, yeah, there is, is a chance. This is where he wants to go. Yeah, this is the chance for this field to really go in a direction that's like a lot more legitimate, a lot more scientific. Right. And can, yeah, and he's someone who also, he's excited about just cryptozoology as the, the finding of new species. It doesn't matter if that's a kind of monster thing people have been talking about. It's just like he, a lot of the, um, there's a cryptozoologist of the year award he gave out. 
and uh, more i think most of them went to people who identified new species yeah this year and years previous we already know about the, the award itself is comically a golden yeti but the people who receive it are at least this year was a person who had discovered a new species of actual animal so yes it at least was nodding to true science. Yes, and Lauren is someone who is very excited about this kind of stuff. And for him, cryptozoology is finding species that aren't yet known about. Right. And it doesn't matter if that is Sasquatch or the Loch Ness Monster or just some kind of obscure, you know, lizard in a jungle Yeah, whatever it may be. Things that we just simply don't know about very much or just have sort of anecdotal evidence to go on, which we can validate through scientific investigation. So cryptozoology can be a totally scientific field. To be a cryptozoologist, however, really the In, main prerequisite we found is that you just have to be really well interested. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of blew my mind just how tough that must be. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I can't even, can't even pretend. Yeah, people basically have interest. They like it. They like it, and that makes you a cryptozoologist. And that makes I, you a cryptozoologist. I, and this was a small subset of folks to sample from to get this impression from, but it does Very seem, small. It does seem as though... Pretty small. Cannot overstate how small. Um, you and I are both biologists. Like I, I guess I'm a zoologist. I have a, a master's in zoology. I think that <laughs> makes me a zoologist. You mastered it. I, yeah. Being interested in this stuff, I think, does... like if we And each week, we do a little bit of research into these topics and, and discuss them. And I think I'm ready now to say that we are cryptozoologists if we want to be. <laughs> I, I would say that I agree. But more than that, I also think that it would be a lot of fun if they'll have us to be presenters at one of these conferences in the future. Maybe next year, maybe down the road. That could be pretty cool. I think it'd be cool to do either a live version of this or some kind of like smaller, shorter form, super duperstitious special report. Or yeah. you could just kind of discuss these topics and break them down exactly. in a scientific way. I think that's something that's... Bring a little more zoo into the crypt. Yes. It could definitely stand to have a lot more of the scientific method applied to this stuff. Or and the logic. Sti- and still be super fun. Right. That's kind of what we're all about. Is like This stuff can be fun even if you still also do it in a way that is more serious. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's time to have some serious fun. And also, it's... And this is something we've said many times before. Nothing wrong with enjoying a story. Nothing wrong with falling for like a legend or a lore or whatever. But to take that as the truth before all other evidence is just stupid. <laughs> I was going to say not scientific, but yeah, no, that too. <laughs> so no, we always encourage our listeners who probably aren't cryptozoologists. But, yeah. um, but to, yeah, just think about, like, it may be really exciting to have a certain thing come true, but if the evidence is all not really supporting that or even refuting it, it's okay to let go. Let Your go. theories don't have to be right, and, and there's a lot of cool exactly. mystery out there still to discover. And and a story can still be fun and freaky without being necessarily explaining something that's objectively real. Yeah, take the Gumbaroo, or whatever Lord. the fuck it's called. Gumbaroo. I, I can, can totally conceive of a creature with eight arms on its torso with like two other ones that hold balls or whatever and it flips around <laughs> yeah. does all this shit it explodes if you touch with the fire <laughs> that is real in my brain now but i don't we expect it's to not see a real it. living thing sure but it's still like an idea we didn't have before Holy shit, a fun Jake, look story. Outside. oh wait actually i didn't say anything was uh, it too fast i exactly <laughs> it was too fast uh, it's just the flaming trail of handprints <laughs> on the ground uh, but yeah, so... So cryptozoology is a fun field. It does have a lot of potential to do a lot of cool stuff. I think there's a lot of room for it to grow. 
And I would love if we could somehow contribute to that tiny little podcast that we are. Exactly. Maybe by next year we'll have even 30 or 40 listeners. Oh, man. Let's not get over ambitious here. (laughs) But we do thank whoever is listening now for doing so. Thank you very much, guys. We hope you enjoyed our kind of free forum cast today. We'll be back to business as actually usual next week or yes, two we weeks from now. Your normal, normal, your normal, normal pie If you have, as ever, stories, questions, comments, please shoot those our way. We would love to tell your stories or just read something you're interested in at um, contact at superduperstitious.com. We check the email frantically every day. It's always empty. <laughs> yeah. and uh, we We're love smashing that F5 button on our keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in the meantime, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> see you no, next time. Yeah, see you next time. Bye. Uh, bye. Bye.